This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Tech in the Right Direction. This is your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world, along with tips and strategies for maximizing your career in tech. We also bring you interviews with the leading women in the tech industry, talk to youth who are rapidly building their tech knowledge, and review business solutions that will give you insights on how technology is solving business problems. Now, here's your host, Jennifer Didier. Welcome, and thank you for joining me on Tech in the Right Direction. I'm your host, Jennifer Didier, President and CEO of Directions Training. Each week, we talk with industry experts about technology trends that are emerging and changing businesses today, the career journey of IT professionals, understanding the world of women in tech, as well as talking to our youth that are rapidly building their technology skill sets. We also review case studies that provide insight into how technology is solving business and world problems. I'm excited about our guest today, so let's get moving in the right direction. This week in our Tech Solutions segment, I will be talking with Sarah Haggard. Sarah is a proven business leader who has led multiple startup initiatives within her decade-long career in product market marketing at Microsoft, raising $40 million to scale her last business. Expert in P&L management, enterprise software, and go-to-market strategy, Sarah's tenacity and drive for results led her to being widely recognized as a turnaround expert and a new business incubator. Sarah's leadership style is engaging and authentic. Her superpower is her ability to spot patterns, creating high-performing teams, and activate the right people at the right time to deliver results. Sarah holds a master's degree in business administration from Seattle University and a Bachelor of Arts in Anthropology and Business Administration from Augustana College in Rock Island, Illinois. Welcome to the show, Sarah. I'm so excited to have you. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. So let's begin. Can you share with us a little bit about your path in technology, your career path? Absolutely. Um, so my path is a little bit non-linear and, and a little bit non-traditional. I actually studied anthropology uh, as you know, as we introduced, and really thought that I was going to go save the world one person at a time. <laughs> I've always been really keen to helping people and kind of serving the underserved, and thought that I would do that with my social work. And as I got into doing that and really experiencing that work on the front lines, I realized just that there was so many patterns and um, economic, social, political factors that were uh, really influencing my ability to be successful on the front line. And so I made a decision uh, early on in my life that you know I really needed to go pursue business and go out into the world and get money, influence, and power and to be able to take those uh, levers back into some sort of social justice work. And, and that's ultimately what led me into the technology field, um, somewhat by accident, uh, but had a wonderful career at Microsoft the last uh, 10 years working in product marketing. And, um, and I would have to say that, you know, fast forward today, one of the greatest lessons I've learned in my path to, you know, 
working in the technology field is that technology is absolutely a people business and being able to leverage technology for good is something that I'm really excited about being able to do moving forward. That's very impressive. Um, you know, not knowing that technology is the path that you're ta- you wanted to take, but then having a passion for it once you were introduced to it and knowing that you're really good at it really um, feeds your soul, it motivates you. And then taking it one step further, which is what you've done, is to use technology for good, which is so great. So tell me a little bit about some of the technology trends you're seeing today. Yeah, absolutely. I think today, um, you know, beyond beyond you know technology really being that people business, I think I'm seeing um, all kinds of technology that not only helps us automate and um, you know simplify everyday things that we were doing manually. Um, and in my lifetime, you know, I think I first uh, typed on a computer when I was in the fifth grade. So I have you know sort of this dual experience of growing up in a world without much technology or it being this sort of opaque, complex concept to today uh, being everywhere and just such an integrated part of our lives that you can't even imagine uh, what life was like before it. I think some of the trends that I'm seeing beyond, you know, the AI, the blockchain, the machine learning, you know, underlying, I think, all of those trends is this desire to enhance our human experience in some shape or form, whether it's to make it smarter, faster, better. Um, and I think there's two camps of people. I think there's people who say, I can route around the human experience by making it faster, um, effectively you know, enhancing, but not, uh, I would say enhancing a task, but not enhancing humanness. Mm-hmm. And then there's the other camp of people who say, I see I see you, I see how you're doing this, I want to simplify your life, I want to make it better, and I want to actually make you know, more time for you to do the things that you love to do by you know, just simplifying this task and, and effectively enhancing our humanness uh, by using technology for good. So I think there's two camps, uh, but all, underlying all of that, I think there's just this desire to use technology to um, automate a lot of the things that we used to do manually. Yes, Simply. very, very true. Um, so, you know, you touched on some great points there. Um, I kind of chuckled when you said, you know, you you touched a computer in fifth grade, um, and uh, that was your first exposure to it, and things have changed so much where now we have multiple devices and multiple ways to use technology. I chuckled because I started in technology with punch cards. <laughs> so that was a long time ago. It really dates me. But, uh, you know, and now I see where we are today. It is just crazy. Um, I love the um, connectivity with technology to enhancing the human experience. I think uh, that is a trend that will continue to grow because um, we need to have that business value that those soft skills, the communication skills, in addition to technology in order to feed the next five to 10 years. So really good insights on that. Um, So can you share with me some technology solutions that you've seen, um, or maybe you've seen some at Microsoft that they've developed to solve business problems, um, or, you know, something that you see as a solution making a difference on that 
enhancing the human experience. Yes, so I will reference uh, Tribute, the company that, that I formed about 18 months ago. Um, and, and this is where, for me, you know, my path of social science and technology and curiosity and human experience is all just coming together for me um, in, in such a beautiful way. So uh, Tribute is a modern mentorship app uh, that actually helps employees connect and find a mentor through their shared life experiences. And so uh, for me, you know, the, the inspiration, the spark there was, you know, as a woman in tech, uh, spending a decade there, you know, I would often get assigned a mentor. And some would be female, some would be men. I didn't think much about it. Um, but in all of my experiences, um, when I would be assigned a mentor from, you know, from my company, it was, you know, we would often start with what are your goals, what are your career ambitions, and we would just sort of leap completely over, do we as these two humans have a connection together? You know, do I trust this person to mm -hmm. tell them all of the things that scare me that I, I don't know if I'm good enough at or, or all the ambitions, dreams and hopes that I have. And, you know, after experiencing mentorship like this over and over and over again, I thought, this is strange to me. Why are we putting the cart before the horse? Why are we not helping uh, people really drive that connection first? What is it that connects people? And when I dove into my own curiosity around that, I realized that in almost every introduction that I make, whether it's for mentorship or just for a coffee or something else, and, and you know, as listeners to this podcast, watch and notice now every intro you make, what you do, because you will find what you do is you create those shared connections. Oh, so-and-so went to college that you went to, or you lived here and you lived here, or, mm -hmm. hey, you struggled with that and so did she or he. And so we, we do this as humans where we're always making connections in our mind over these shared life experiences that we have. And you find that there's a closeness or a connection that you start from when that happens. And I thought, this is missing in mentorship. And so how can I create a way uh, to build a technology solution that allows us to find that shared humanness, right? First. I love that. That is so insightful because you're right. I mean, I've had mentors all my life and they are assigned based on, you know, maybe they've mentored before or, um, or maybe the goals that you have are um, what they have expertise in. But I love this this first uh, connection, and that needs to be there because I've had good mentors and bad mentors, and the bad mentors are people who are still great people, but I just didn't connect with them. So that this is so true. So tell me a little more about this app. Yeah, so we are uh, we're actually launching our app this month, nice. uh, which with our first uh, enterprise customer. So we are a a B two B enterprise SaaS platform, and uh, we've made a bet on mobile first, uh, which, you know, we've been talking about mobile first, cloud first, you know, technologies for some time, uh, but it still surprises me how much of our uh, technology is desktop based today. Um, so we're mobile first, we're making a bet. So we provide employees a mobile app that they're able to effectively create a profile, swipe through other uh, employee profiles, search for that mentor on their own via the life experience or the professional skill that they're looking uh, for mentorship around. And then they're able to chat and set their own schedule. And what's also kind of unique to Tribute is 
we lead in those profiles as you're swiping through, we lead with storytelling. And that's also a really fascinating topic that I love to talk about because storytelling is this ancient, you know, uh, way of sharing wisdom that we've seen through many different cultures, you know, throughout our, our lived experience as humans. And there's really no AI algorithm or uh, model that can can route around telling a good story and being inspired by an amazing story of, of you know, grit and grace and overcoming adversity and, and what your hopes and your dreams are. And so for us, you know, we ask, uh, we ask people in their profile to share a short narrative of a life experience that they believe could really help somebody else, right? And so we kind of lead with storytelling, we connect over shared life experiences, and also because technology can make mentorship more accessible, more efficient, uh, and more effective, our mentorship engagements when we connect actually initially start for a 30-day period. And that's kind of unique because people tend to think, oh, if I ask for a mentor, we have to be friends for a lifetime or we have to be connected for a lifetime. And I think um, that's not true. I think you earn friendships and relationships over a lifetime as you connect, as you provide value to one another. And so for us, we, we start with a 30-day commitment where, you know, this is, this is hopefully getting more mentors to say yes to mentoring others because they don't feel that they have to make a lifetime commitment. It can be uh, just for that period of time. Uh, I also believe mentorship can be found in a moment. You know, you hear somebody say something or you're listening to a speaker and you just, you, you know, you, you get inspired by somebody's story or experience. Um, so that's the employee experience is being able to have that mobile app where they're meeting and networking with their peers, you know, in and outside of the immediate teams that they work with. From an employer standpoint, we provide them an analytics dashboard that tells them all kinds of rich insights into their mentoring programs. I think uh, more and more we hear how important mentorship is today in the workplace. We hear about the millennial and Gen Z modern workforce and how, you know, just mentorship is such a key ask today. And so all of these employers are trying to figure out how to offer mentoring programs. And today it's still very analog and uh, ad hoc. And so now with our analytics dashboard, you can see how many mentors are in the organization, how many mentorship engagements are going on. Um, and then you get really rich uh, insights like what are the top life experiences that my company is seeking mentorship on? And that to me, I'm just so curious to see how companies are going to take that intelligence and be able to build it into the fabric of their culture, right? And to be able to say, uh, you know, if, if navigating difficult conversations is the number one thing that people are seeking mentorship on in a company, you know, I would reasonably expect our CEO to stand up at the next town hall and say, hey, everybody, I see that this is a, a request or, or a thing that we're all kind of seeking mentorship on. Let me tell you a story when or a time when I learned how to have difficult conversations. And that, to me, just gives companies a way for leaders to live out loud um, the culture that they're trying to create while maybe even offering programming or workshops or other things that can really, you know, address that key need that maybe companies wouldn't have known was a key need before they, you know, brought tribute into their organization. That's, that's amazing because data is so powerful. We can make decisions. We can... Uh, grow to the next level by looking at that data. And today, I I haven't seen anything like this out there. So I think this is a 
a great way for employers to connect with their employees, not only to grow them, make them more productive, get increased satisfaction in their job at their company, but also, you know, be more competitive, take the business to the next level, because all of that falls to the bottom line. So as much as we are talking about mentorship, it really grows people so that mentor those mentors can take them to the next level. It's so fascinating. I just love it. So are the mentors um, within the organization or outside of the organization? Today, the mentors are inside the organization. And what's really interesting about Tribute is we don't create camps. We don't create, here's your mentor pool, here's your mentee pool. Mm. We offer an app where everybody gets to show up with their story and their lived experience. And by nature of showing up with that, you are a mentor, right? Because your life experience is the place where you have the greatest expertise and knowledge and and something to give. Um, so we, yeah, we today we're going to offer our app inside companies and there's a, a vision that as we go company by company at some point down the road we would open a public network uh, where employers could uh, allow their employees to put their profiles on that public network and be met by uh, other employees from in and outside of their organization. Great. What a community you can create from, you know, that public network because now you're getting, you know, double, triple, 10 times the experiences and stories which you can really build upon. So I think that's awesome. So Sarah, can you share with me um, some of the challenges you've experienced while creating these solutions? This is such an impressive undertaking, but I'm sure there were many challenges along the way uh, that you've experienced. Can you share some of those with us? Absolutely. Um, so I think one of the challenges that was unexpected and the journey was, uh, you know, we talked about being able to, to capture all of this data and, and the fact that data is powering all of this digital transformation and and innovation. But on the flip side of that, um, you know, we are in a world and culture where um, employee trust and privacy and data privacy is just so forefront. And uh, we're no longer in the wild, wild west when it comes to you know, our personal data and how it's being used. Uh, we've got regulations now like GDPR in Europe, but we've also got consumer expectations of, you know, hey, where is my data going? How is it being used? And so um, for me, you know, getting all of this, building this 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 app and collecting really sensitive data points like uh, life experiences that can include I feel isolated at work or, um, you know, potentially even, you know, one day breaching into, you know, difficult topics like mental health and how do we help each other with these things, right? Those are data points that I realized very quickly that in aggregate really can help an organization, but individualized can harm uh, employees. And so I think, um, you know, for me, luckily, I have great advisors and I have great um, integrity. And so, you know, we're building our product with this integrity, you know, and trust from the get-go. Uh, but that's definitely something that, you know, never really had had to think about before creating this company in it. and I'm glad uh, that we have and that we are uh, treating you know employee and employer data with the ultimate uh, trust and respect. Yeah, that's great. That is something that you know today we have rules, regulations, laws, and 
you know, privacy, security of your data is so important. I remember years ago, people could just sell your data without ever asking you anything. And, you know, I'm glad for GDPR and all of the regulations that are being put in place because security is so important as well. And building that into your solution is critical. So that's that's a really good point. Um, so, you know, I love when technology is solving business problems or world problems. And I think your Tribute app is just one example of how technology can get to that human side, you know, which is really, really neat because um, all of the machine learning, artificial intelligence is all, you know, gathering data and then manipulating that data to, to be more intelligent. Um, but the human side is sometimes ignored. So I love that your app is really taking that to the next level. So um, in the next five to 10 years, I know that's a long time in technology. When I think back five years, I'm like, I, I couldn't believe that we are where we are today. What, what kinds of problems do you think technology will be solving? Yeah, that's a really good question. And I, I thought about that because I think, you know, whatever industry you're in, right, that answer just varies so widely. Um, but I think, you know, I really think uh, technology is going to solve hopefully a lot more healthcare problems mm -hmm. for us, um, at, you know, just understanding our own genetic makeup and how we can more or less manipulate that for good, if mm -hmm. you will. Mm -hmm. um, I think that we're going to see a ton of innovation in that space. Um, I think just science breakthroughs that we haven't even, you know, things like quantum physics and understanding the laws and breaking all of that. I mean, I hope in my lifetime to see technology that that can make some of these massive breakthroughs. Um, but I also really have a hope that technology will become so integrated into our human experience that we don't even know it's there, right? Whereas in my lifetime, you know, technology was this thing outside of you or complex or really difficult to understand. You had to be some mathematician, you know, to, to run the algorithms of the programs or any of that. And I think, I think technology is just gonna continue to get simpler, more integrated, you know, on the human side and mm -hmm. on, the, on the pure, technology side, I think we're going to uh, have some massive breakthroughs in the next five to 10 years on the healthcare and in the science industry, particularly. I'm excited to see those come through because it's definitely needed. And I know there's lots of solutions being built, even as we speak and going to be rolled out. Um, so what what is the biggest mistake or most common mistake you see organizations making when it comes to uh, deploying a technology project? What should you be aware of so that, you know, if you are deploying something that you should really, this is the best practice or this is what you should avoid? Yeah, this is actually a really relevant question for <laughs> me right now as we are deploying our app uh, real time. I think my best advice or best practice is to not overlook the, you know, the quality uh, testing and kind of the beta testing of rolling that out and doing it in a phased approach. Um, we had a community, we have a community of about 5,000 people that we're looking to roll our app out to. And we decided that rather than just launching the app to that entire group, that we would pick some smaller subgroups and roll out over time. And that 
has been the best decision we could have ever made because we caught things that, you know, we didn't need to hear 5,000 times. We needed to hear it five times, right. <laughs> you know, right. uh, to know that it was time to, to make that small adjustment uh, here or there. But yeah, don't, um, I think many technologists will, will know already that, you know, deployment in of itself is a project. It's not just a, a switch that you flip. It's something to be thoughtful. It's something to be planned, uh, rolling it out over time, as excited as you are to get to, you know, mass deployment, um, there's a reason why that, that, you know, you do this proof of concept before, you know, the pilot and then the pilot before the broad rollout and just don't overlook that, you know, make sure you build time into your project plan and, and your client deliverables so that you get that time to do that and you don't run up into the end and then have to turn something on and kind of run into a wall. Right, no, that's, that's really good advice. Just phase it out. Um, you know, take the time to um, tweak as you move on because you're going to get data from your deployment phases that maybe you just never thought would happen or uh, you thought would happen but not in a smaller group. So, you know, really taking it as a phased approach is great advice. Um, so, uh, my last question to you is what's the best advice uh, or lessons learned regarding customer satisfaction or project delivery can you share with our listeners um, that you still leverage? I mean, that you think is the golden rules. Yes, the golden rule in my book is setting expectations and communicating. Um, I, you know, projects don't go the way we think they're going to go. Timelines get pushed. Uh, we learn new things as we go. Um, in my case, we thought we would be done developing our app in, you know, an eight-week sprint, and it ended up taking us 12 weeks, uh, just because we were learning and growing and and tweaking and and doing all of these unexpected activities uh, around the side. And you know, I have a, I have a very happy client today because we communicated and set those expectations along the way. And I think you know, there's always going to be scope creep in your projects and clients who want. Uh, more and and I really look at that as that's great news. Yes, we'll do that, but we need to do this first and just stay focused on the task at hand, and then you know use that enthusiasm and excitement for scope creep to turn it into your next engagement and to continue moving forward. But always setting those expectations clearly, um, often early, uh, to me has just been a tremendous best practice that I've learned. That's great. I think just in business and life, communications and setting expectations is so important. And things roll so much smoother when you do that. Um, and I love that you said scope creep becomes your next opportunity because we find that in our business all the time. And it's not, you know, it's not because you don't need this. It's just part of the next phase, and let's talk about that, but let's get through this. So that's that's really, really great advice. Well, Sarah, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I really enjoyed our conversation. Thank you so much. Thank you. Stay tuned for another exciting interview just around the corner. As your organization continues to embrace and adopt new technologies, does your team have the skills required to make the most of your investments? Directions Training offers IT professional and end-user training for the most popular solutions today, including Microsoft 365, Azure, AWS, Cisco, Citrix, VMware, and much more. 
Our flexible delivery methods and full customized offerings make sure that you get the training you need just the way you need it, in person, virtual, on demand, or through a blended approach. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Visit us at www.directionstraining.com for more information today. Welcome back to Tech in the Right Direction. This week in our Women in Technology segment, I will be talking with Jenna Beckett. Jenna is a full-stack web developer and technical trainer specializing in the .NET stack. She's an active Women in Technology community leader who is passionate about promoting the female voice in technology. Welcome to the show, Jenna. Awesome. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. So let's get started. Can you share with us a little bit about your career path in technology? Sure. I think that I've taken a bit of a non-traditional approach to my path in technology. I started out my professional career many years in the construction management industry um, before I went to a boot camp style learning environment to transition into being a developer. Um, after coming out of that institution, I had a couple of different jobs, both in the corporate setting and in the startup setting, uh, before making a turn to decide that, you know, where I, I was really passionate about helping people get into technology. So now I am an educator at a coding boot camp in the Midwest, um, helping people enter technology and, and find their passion for a career that I really love. That's great. What a great career path. So, you know, did you always know that working with technology is what you wanted to do? I, you know, I would say not always, but I knew early. Um, I remember getting my first gateway computer. It was the, the greatest thing to ever happen to me as a young girl. And um, I remember unboxing it and setting it up and making all these fancy do not disturb signs for my bedroom <laughs> and I just really loved it and kept exploring at home um, and not having anyone else in my family who was really tech inclined um, or really even had an interest in that kind of thing. So I got to middle school, expressed interest in following this path because there was a, like an HTML class at the mm -hmm. school I went to. And unfortunately, I was kind of just waited away from taking that class. Um, I was told by a counselor that I would just probably be more interested in an art class. Hmm. Um, and I, I think I, I let that get to me a little too much and kind of toss something that I knew I was really passionate about and loved um, to the side for a while before later on in, in my late 20s, actually revisiting technology as a potential career path for me and then ultimately deciding that that's what I wanted to do. So going back to getting your first gateway computer, what sparked you to go buy that computer? You know, um, I believe I fell into advertising. Okay. <laughs> there was a really, gateway back in the day had some really amazing commercials. <laughs> um, and I, I, you know, was like, this is so cool. I can't believe that I could have something like this in my house that could do all of these things. Um, you know, in comparison, well, you know, in partnership with that, 
at school we had computers so um, I had played on them a little bit at school knew about the power of them and then seeing that commercial um I my poor dad I just tormented him relentlessly (laughs) until he got it for me um but I think uh I think yeah just the combination of being exposed to it at school and then and then having um that kind of advertising in in my face as a kid had me wanting one um and I was so happy when I did get it that's awesome um, so, you know, we know technology industry is very male dominated. Um, do you feel that women have the same opportunities as men do in this industry? That is such a tough question because I think at the surface, the answer is yes. But from my own experience, um, I have never worked in a shop where there was a woman in a architect level position. Um, I've also never worked in an environment where a woman was a CTO. So mm-hmm. while I I believe that as an industry we say that you know that there are no biases, um, but you usually hear that followed up with I just can't find female candidates, and I don't know that that is entirely accurate because there are huge communities of women in technology. I think what some companies are trying to say is they can't find female candidates by traditional avenues. So I think that while the opportunity is there, um, that they're accepting applications from women, for instance, I don't know that um, the advertisement is at the same level for women as it is for men, um, meaning that are, are we following non-traditional paths to, to recruit female candidates so that if, you're, if, if your response is, I just can't find the female candidates, well, what are you doing to, to change up your strategy to go look for the qualified female engineers and architects that are out there? Agreed. Um, I think non-traditional paths have to be taken um, to find these women in technology because they are there. Um, you know, we belong to many women in technology groups that have everything from uh, developers, programmers, um, architects, system administrators. So they are out there. It's that we have to make that effort in um, the workforce to go find them. So really, really good insight on that. Um, so as a woman yourself in technology, uh, what challenges have you faced in your career? You know, I think um, I have been lucky in that I have never been in a situation where I experienced open, um, unabashed bias because of my gender. Um, and that I've, I've, I count myself being really lucky for never having to experience that in my career. But what I will say is that when you are on a team with all male coworkers, which has been the norm for all of my professional career, mm-hmm. that when you're in a meeting and you're speaking up, um, sometimes when I as a female have spoke up, it's been my passion for a subject matter has been, you know, discounted as, oh, she's emotional. Um, or sometimes, you know, my 
my way of interacting, maybe being um, just straightforward and kind of not fluffy or sugarcoating things, just just delivering information. Um, I feel like sometimes that's been mistaken as me being um, maybe not a nice lady. I think there are mm-hmm. terms out there that some people would say for that. Um, and I don't, I, I think those are challenges that I've faced and overcoming interpersonal challenges of relating to people and finding my way of speaking up that um, I could be counted equal to my male counterparts have been some challenges that I've definitely faced. Yeah, I think we all have faced um, similar challenges and it's great that you are speaking up and getting your voice heard because, you know, what we say matters. It really makes a difference. Um, It helps the entire team grow. And so we have to have that confidence to make sure that we speak up and have our voice heard. And a lot of times we are drowned in, you know, uh, a round table of just male uh, counterparts that really don't stop to give us a chance to speak up. So I'm glad, glad that you said that because it's it's very true for many uh many women in technology um so i know as women we have a lot of strengths and um advantages what are some of the advantages that women bring to teams to the workplace in general you know i think i don't know if there's an uh, an a generalized statement that you can make about that because everyone is so individual. Um, and I think this goes back to talking about, um, you know, differences in gender and, and gender norms that, you know, I don't think every woman brings the same thing to a, a team. Um, I think that personally, um, what I bring to the team as a woman is that I'm very driven. I want to I want to be results oriented in a meeting, in a program, in anything. Um, so defining how we get from an idea to uh, putting out results and then measuring those results is something that I've always brought to a team. Um, I think a level of uh, organization, I'm I, as a person, I'm very organized and, mm-hmm. and like things organized. So that's something that I try and bring to teams. And then um, just enthusiasm is something personally that I feel like I approach any situation with. Um, and having that one person on your team, one or many, um, you know, the more the better, being just the cheerleader of like, we can do this. And it doesn't always have to be a woman. It could be anybody on your team. Personally, I find myself falling into that position um, because of my personality in general. But women on teams, I think the the advantage they bring overall is a difference in perspective. And that's the same for people of other cultures. When you have many people sitting around a table who all have generally the same life experience and Uh, they're trying to solve a problem um, and maybe they're not reflecting the audience they're trying to solve the problem with, then what you make is going to be inherently biased because you have not experienced what people from other cultures or other genders have and you don't, you can't see life through those lenses. Yes, we talk a lot about um, unconscious bias and it's not women and men or you know, um, different cultures. It can be anything. It can be where you grew up, your education, what you were used to, how you 
we're raised, you know, it, it has so many pieces to it. And uh, we have an unconscious bias um, test or quiz or whatever you want to call it that we give to our employees just to kind of make them aware of what those are. Because when I took it the first time, I was just shocked. It's like, wow, I didn't even know that that was a bias. You know, it never really came up or never occurred to me. And exactly what you're saying. So it doesn't have to be male or female. It's from different cultures, different uh, neighborhoods, different ideas, how their parents raised them. All of those things fall into who we are. And so to give everybody a voice is so important. I know you do a lot of work with um, STEM and STEAM and you um, are very active with girls who code. Can you tell, tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I work with a couple of different volunteer organizations. One is entirely local to Kansas City, where I'm from. Um, and it is for boys and girls, um, getting them into tech. Uh, we start those kids off with um, learning in Scratch, which is something that was developed by MIT. It's like a visual programming language. Um, that's that's a way of taking those elementary school ages and, and maybe taking their use of technology and channeling it into a more productive path. Um, and then also, um, Many statistics are out there. Many studies have shown that girls' interest in technology usually starts declining around middle school. Um, and there are a lot of programs out there that help girls in college who are interested in technology get support um, and mentorship. And I saw a gap between those elementary school, middle school ages, and when they're getting to college, um, something where somebody's interest could really be dissuaded I experienced that myself. Um, so focusing on that age range, uh, the high school age, age range, um, you know, I've worked to develop a group called Sheenovators. Um, these are girls 14 to 18 years old who are interested in technology. Maybe they don't want to be engineers or database administrators. Maybe they just have a career goal in mind where they will be touching technology and they're interested in technology and how can it affect the, the ultimate career they go into. Um, and they're looking for leadership opportunities. They're looking for ways of developing their voice. Um, they're looking for communities to get involved with, to find people of similar interest to their own. Um, and that's what She Innovators is all about, bringing these girls together and giving them an opportunity to take this interest maybe that they've only had edge experiences with and really find a way for them to dive deep and develop a voice in technology so that they can go to their peers and they can talk about it. They can talk about it to younger kids um, and budge their interest in technology so that we have this continual pipeline of girls and boys who are interested in technology and can speak about it and have a voice about it and be confident in their use of technology. That's great. What a great way to give back to the community. You're doing some great work um, with both boys and girls, bringing them into the technology field, getting them acclimated, um, and giving them those experiences. Um, great job with that. Um, so, you know, technology is always changing. We are 
in the training or learning business. Uh, how do you keep your skills current? Oh, I um, I love books uh, just mm-hmm. in general. So O'Reilly tech books are my favorite thing ever. And I, um, I watch their social media channels. I watch um, any new books that they have coming out just to kind of, you know, if I'm interested in it, read the book discover something new maybe if it's something i've not heard of before that's usually where my interests go if i've never heard about it then i want to know what it is and and what it's all about um also i enjoy um peer coding so finding people in my my local environment who are interested in similar technologies to me setting up um a code base a repo and and sharing learning about this given technology. Let's build this thing um, and let's learn together as we build and bounce ideas off of each other. Uh, Oh, you have a resource? Cool, tell me about it, I'll go explore it. And I feel that um, doing that kind of peer learning um, just doubles my motivation. It doubles what I can learn because my peer inevitably finds something that I didn't know existed and and then we get to talk about it. And, you know, it's all about that rubber ducky methodology. If I have mm-hmm. an idea or if I have a problem and I'm putting it out to the world, I'm putting it into words, then I will inevitably talk myself into a solution or at least learn a little deeper about the problem or the thing that I'm trying to explore just just a little more by putting it into words and and having a conversation about it. And that's continuous learning. So that's where you're always growing, you're always learning, and that's always keeping your skills relevant. Great way to do that. Um, You are very impressive, Jenna. So in closing, what three words would your friends use to describe you? Oh, this is a difficult one. I would say that my friends would definitely say I'm driven. Um, I'm always driving myself towards some end goal. Um, I think my friends would say I'm creative because I love to create things. And I would definitely say they would call me quirky. Um, I I have my oddities about me. I'm a giant Harry Potter nerd. So <laughs> that in itself just makes me a little quirky. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, Very, very impressive. Thank you so much, Jenna, for being on the show. It was a great pleasure. Thank you so much. And now an exclusive offer for our listeners. From IT skill enhancements to end user adoption training, Directions Training is your resource to help optimize the effectiveness of your technology investments. Over half a million students have taken advantage of our wide selection of technology and business training solutions covering the most popular applications today, such as Microsoft 365, Azure, Windows 10, and more. As a podcast listener, we invite you to take advantage of an exclusive offer. Receive 30 days of free access to our Microsoft official curriculum on-demand courses for IT professionals or end-users. Visit us at www directionstraining.com slash podcast to claim this offer today. Hurry, this offer is only available for a limited time. Success is a journey. Ask for directions. Thanks for listening to Technology in the Right Direction, your source for the latest technology trends shaping the world. 
To download this week's show or listen to past shows, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Past shows are also available at ewnpodcastnetwork.com, as well as through iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. To find out how to be a guest on the show, visit directionstraining.com forward slash podcast. Until next time, we hope that technology takes your business in the right direction. Calling all speakers. E-Women Network has speaking engagements all over North America that must be filled. Are you a gifted messenger, author, expert, or successful entrepreneur that can help women entrepreneurs grow their businesses? Our mission is to help 1 million fulfilled women each achieve $1 million in annual revenue. If you're a speaker that can help women prosper, go to eWomenNetwork.com and sign up as a pro member of our Speakers Network. That's eWomenNetwork.com. Thanks for listening. This is the EWN Podcast.